morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and it's Wednesday, October 6th. On this date in 2001, President George W. Bush signed the USA Patriot Act. It gave authorities unprecedented ability to search, seize, detain, or eavesdrop in their pursuit of possible terrorists. And here's a little trivia question about an event on this date in 1993. Roman Catholic churches in San Juan, Puerto Rico, opened their doors for the night and urged residents to tie black ribbons on trees. It was all part of a protest because of a concert being held. Do you remember whose concert prompted the protest? I'll have that answer coming up. But first, let's get to your Wednesday forecast from the Live 5 First Alert Weather Center. All right, good morning to you, meteorologist Joey Sofi. Could have a little bit of patchy fog this morning, but nothing like yesterday morning. So out the door, mix of sun and clouds. Not as cool, starting out with temperatures in the upper 50s to around 60. We'll be in the upper 70s at lunchtime, around 80 this afternoon. Partly to mostly cloudy sky. Very small chance of a shower as a weak cold front moves through. I'll start to cool us down a little bit tomorrow, 75. And 71 on Friday. We'll be in the low 70s Friday through the weekend. So a little cooler out there with morning lows in the 50s. Looks mainly dry Friday, Saturday, small chance of a shower on Sunday, and we'll see a few showers as a possibility Monday of next week for Halloween. You're listening to Morning Y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast from the Low Country's news leader, Live 5 News. Morning Y'all is sponsored by MUSC Health. Join a team that's changing what's possible. MUSC Health is hiring for all locations and various positions, including radiology, path and lab, maintenance, and a number of other professions. Find out more about the competitive pay rates and benefits or review a more comprehensive list of current openings at muschealth.org slash careers. MUSC Health, changing what's possible. And let's check your morning headlines. More than 150 wanted offenders have now been taken into custody after a statewide warrant sweep. The South Carolina Department of Probation, Parole and Pardon Services led the five-day long sweep last week. More than 250 agents were joined by officers from 21 federal, state, county and local law enforcement agencies. The team worked together to arrest wanted offenders all across South Carolina. Agents prioritized the capture of wanted sex offenders, domestic violence offenders, gang members, violent offenders, and those who have violated their conditions of supervision. Wanted offenders on supervision are encouraged to contact their local county probation and parole office to resolve any outstanding warrants. Well, the South Carolina Department of Health and Environmental Control says one of its top... Excuse me, top priorities right now and in the future is eliminating health disparities in our state. DHEG says every South Carolinian should be able to achieve their best health possible. Yesterday, DHEG joined representatives from the state's healthcare community, doctors, nurses, hospital leaders, and more to give them a look at statewide data they've been analyzing for several months. They'll use that data to determine South Carolina's health improvement plan for the next five years. By looking at the data to see where we can target to to fix um, the disparities or improve them, you know that is that is evidence-based practice right there. Dr. Traxler says they're going to use all the data collected to focus efforts for the next five years, and they say the current five-year plan has taken some detours because of COVID. But Traxler says with the pandemic now moving in endemic status, they believe it's now time to revitalize this work with the latest data. 
With nearly 1,000 new students entering Berkeley County Schools each year, district officials say now is the time to get ahead of the growth. Yeah, mobile learning units and more land for a future K-8 school made final approval at last night's uh, meeting for Berkeley County Schools. Anna Harris attended that board meeting to give us updates on some of the projects, including impacts on virtual school. BCSD's Finance and Planning Committee made headway on COVID funding, or ESSER II, to cover costs for virtual learning. And some of this now-approved money will go towards salaries and benefits for teachers working in these programs. About $311,000 will come out of the purchase service account and technology, and just over $100,000 will cover the cost of Low Country Virtual Academy. About $210,000 will cover virtual teacher salaries. On top of that, a lease and purchase contract of a little over $2 million has been approved for 16 mobile units to go to Cane Bay Elementary and Cane Bay Middle Schools. With the exponential growth in the county, the board says they needed this lease for at least five years. After those five years, the county will buy those units and can move them to whatever school in the district needs the space for extra classrooms. The big story at the meeting, however, was Superintendent Dion Jackson announcing that he has reached a land agreement with Brookfield Properties to bring a new K-8 school to the Nexon area. This school will sit on 35 acres and the developer will pay voluntary impact fees of $1,850 per unit. When growth helps pay for growth, it will no longer be perceived as an unwelcome challenge, but rather as an opportunity to improve the quality of life for our students and their families. Jackson says the school is expected to break ground in 2025 if funding gets approved. This will all depend on if the one cent sales tax will get approved in November, and if not, the development will have to be pushed back. In Berkeley County, Anna Harris, Live 5 News. Well, district officials say they plan to build a K-8 school as opposed to the traditional elementary or middle school based largely on the ability to add capacity at both the elementary and middle school levels as soon as possible. They say that building could also be converted to one or the other later on to accommodate future growth. A first-of-its-kind development could be coming to Charleston's Peninsula. Today, the city's Board of Architectural Review will look at plans for a micro-unit development near Spring Street and Haygood Avenue. Molly McBride joining us live with more details about this new development. Good morning, Molly. Good morning, Aisha. By definition, micro-unit developments are apartment buildings made up of entirely small, studio-like apartments, usually around 350 square feet or less. I spoke to Robert Summerfield, the city's director of planning, preservation and sustainability, who tells me this concept is usually seen in larger cities because there are very particular location requirements due to the limited parking space. Summerfield says micro dwellings need to be near transportation, a grocery store and a job or education center. You know, in order to make the micro unit concept work, um, you need to not have as much parking. Um, and so in order to facilitate everyone in the building not having a car, they have to be able to get to those necessities of life. The location of this proposed development is within walking distance of MUSC, Publix, the bus route, and the future Low Country Rapid Transit System. Summerfield says he envisions this proposed development to fit the lives of people like travel nurses or professors who need somewhere to live when they come in town for an extended stay. I spoke with a developer who tells me it's located in an incredibly walkable neighborhood and that he thinks Charleston as an urban city shouldn't be centered around an automobile. 
He tells me units will be price approachable and he hopes to provide one micro solution to solving the housing crisis. Today's meeting is at 430 at 2 George Street. For more information about that meeting, visit live5news.com and click on this web story. Reporting live in downtown Charleston, I'm Molly McBride, Live 5 News. Well, after nearly 15 years in the making, Dorchester County is breaking ground on a new 1,300-acre industrial park in St. George. It's been named Port 95 Business Park to emphasize its location near I-95, a main distribution route taken by imports arriving in the Charleston or in the Port of Charleston. Lauren Quinlan joining us live now. And Lauren, when is the new business park expected to open? Good morning. Good morning. Dorchester County officials tell me after today's ceremony, construction is set to roll out and the project should be completed by 2024. The Newport 95 Business Park will cost $100 million and is set to have three spec buildings, which means developers aren't building it specifically for a client, but to lease. John Truluck with the county says one of the three buildings is quite large, sitting at almost 1 million square feet, which will be the largest spec building ever built in Dorchester County. Trulux says there is a shortage of product in the county, so building this business park will help them meet their goal of bringing new companies to the area and local jobs. He also says creating more jobs where people don't have to commute should help with the congestion problem on the I-26. It's great to have conceptual drawings on paper, but it's a whole other thing to see the site cleared and see the construction equipment moving and uh, and then the next uh, next phase of that is to actually see the buildings go vertical so that's always exciting to me because then you can say okay this is not an idea anymore this is the reality true luck says the county is excited to move forward with this project letting companies know they have product coming and letting the community know that jobs are also on the way the groundbreaking ceremony starts at 2 p.m. in St. George. For that address, just visit our website at live5news.com. Reporting for Live 5 News, I'm Lauren Quinlan. At the top of the show, we mentioned a protest by Roman Catholic churches on this date in 1993. It was superstar Madonna whose first concert there prompted those protests. Celebrating birthdays today, Charlie's Angels actress Jacqueline Smith is 77. Actress Lauren Twos is 69. Actress-singer Rita Wilson is 66. Actor Dylan McDermott is 61. Country singer Keith Urban is 55, and writer-actor Seth MacFarlane is 49. Thanks for joining us for Morning Y'all. From Live 5 News, I'm Katie Kamen. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Morning Y'all, produced every weekday morning and sponsored by MUSC Health. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or listen anytime at live5news.com slash podcasts. And download the free Live 5 News app for your mobile device for the latest local news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News, the Low Country's news leader.